But at the end of the day, the stylist is still the only place that we can get, you know, this incredible professional service. And I think there's so much value in it. Hey guys, my name's Charlie Gray. I'm Allison Alhamid. Hi, I'm Erica Keeler. This is Hair Godzino. I'm Kimberly Tay Hair, and you're listening to the Hair Game Podcast. Hey listeners, Eric Taylor here with Donovan. Hello everybody. This past Monday, I want to thank everybody who came out to the Salon Republic holiday event. We had about 1,200 people there. It was crazy. We had lines out the door, people waiting to get in. It was a fantastic event. The line, that actually is not a compliment. That was a mistake. We we did not <laughs> want people to be waiting out the door. Our, our door policy um, was a little sluggish, but, but we worked it out finally. And uh, we had about 1,200 people strong. It was by far the best holiday party. We had about 17 brands there giving away free stuff, music, etc. I gave a speech of a dubious quality. <laughs> um, and Donovan, what were you doing there? Well, I was up in the VIP lounge uh, set up there getting your hair horror story. So we got a lot of really crazy, insane stories uh, that we're going to mix up with some of the ones that you've left on SpeakPipe and put together a Hair Horror Stories episode in a couple weeks. We stuck Donovan in the back. Uh, we told him it was called the VIP Lounge so he wouldn't feel like he was stuck in the back. <laughs> yeah, left in the, <laughs> shut up in the closet. Well, the reality, of course, is that you needed a quiet-ish place to do the recording and everything else was super loud. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's get to the Podloot giveaway. What are we giving away? We are giving away a $100 Amazon gift card. The honor is yours. Here we go. And the winner is... Hit Up Haley. Hit Up Haley, DM the Hair Game Podcast on Instagram, and uh, we will send you your Podloot. At the end of the show, we'll tell you what we're going to give away next week, and it's a doozy. It's a doozy. Don't uh, tell them. Okay, I won't. We'll keep it a secret. Yeah, you have to listen to the end. You have to, and you can't fast forward, by the way. No fast forwarding. No cheating. Donovan has software. He can tell whether you're fast forwarding through the podcast. That may or may not be true. <laughs> All right, now to Ashley Levitch of Bang Style. All right, I'm sitting here talking to Ashley Levitch. How you doing, Ashley? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good. Okay, so normally I do, I try the intro myself, but I think what I'm going to do with you, I'm going to just introduce you to the audience as the owner and CEO of Bang Style, and then I wrote down what Bang Style is, but I think that you're going to do a much better job of telling us what Bang Style is, so why don't you do it? Okay. You want me to tell you what Bang Style is? I do. Okay, Bang Style, it's a lot of fun. It's a global community, ultimately, obsessed with hair. Um, I found that there were lots of other places that we could find hair, but we could find hair amidst uh, fashion, shoes, basketball, everything else. So it's a platform just built for those who are obsessed. Professionals are coming and sharing their work, which we love and is uh, just this plethora of inspiration every single day. And consumers are coming to not only check out their work, which I love that we get to connect the dots between the stylist and the consumer, but we also publish new content daily. So consumers and professionals alike are coming and reading content that we publish every day. They're sharing it. There's an e-commerce component where people can come and shop some of their favorite brands. And speaking of brands, there's this whole area where brands can come and sort of tell you who they are and how they want to connect with you and publish their content. So it's this big, thriving, crazy, hair-obsessed community. 
So we're on Skype right now, and if the listeners could see you, they would see that you have really amazing curly hair that's really <laughs> beautiful, like little ringlets. I have total crazy ringlets, which I have to say have been, well, it's a love relationship now. Of course, but I, I get it. I have curly hair naturally. Yeah, it wasn't always a love relationship. Um, it's funny because, you know, I didn't, obviously, like a lot of people, I didn't necessarily set out to be in the hair industry. But now that I am, it's sort of like, a aha, like it was always meant to be. I mean, my whole life, everybody has been walking up to me unsolicited and uh, touching my hair. I have, I think I have kind of unique curls. They're not frizzy. They're super defined. They're really bouncy. And like everyone in the industry, they've been every color from black to platinum. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I can make them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. I actually, I very rarely straighten my hair. Almost never. It seems to be like a stylist thing. They want to straighten my hair, which is funny because you would think they would like my curls. But um, <laughs> I've had a lot of people offer to straighten it. And I've had a few of those moments where I've walked up to someone at a party feeling great because I've got my fancy straight hair, which, by the way, is 10 times longer than my curly hair. Of course. And people who know me my whole life just look at me like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It definitely changes the look big time, doesn't it? Yeah, I think they do define me quite a bit. You know, it's such a I think curly girls have a really deep relationship with our curls. And so I, I definitely think it's become a big part of who I am over the years. I love it. Okay, so Bang Style, if you were to, uh, so you gave us kind of an intro of Bang Style. It exists on multiple platforms, right? So you've got a, you've got a website, right? Yep. Bangstyle.com. You're, you're a digital community that exists across website and social media plat, uh, uh, platforms like obviously Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Do you have Pinterest? Oh, we're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. We're obsessed with social media. Um, we love it. You know, I didn't I didn't set out to do this, but I created a company that now employs all women. Okay. <laughs> uh, a whole bunch of badasses. I, I'll try not to take offense, but okay. I know. You can work with us anytime because you seem fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, I didn't set out for it to be that way. However, I'm really proud of them and their accomplishments and how talented they are. And and yes, they love social. So we're all over. Instagram tends to be um, a bit sparse, I would say. I know a lot of people and different companies are posting, you know, a whole bunch of hair all day long. We tend to do the best of the day, our favorite upload of the day. Okay. Um, Bang Style is, like you said, a website. We just relaunched with a new one, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's meant to be for everybody to share their hair art. We have beach waves, men's cuts, pixies, even people uploading selfies of themselves. However, I do have a particular love for the avant-garde. And, you know, I really wanted with this site to share what a stylist was capable of. And I thought there was such a major disconnect between that idea that our stylist is the one who does a bang trim or, you know, just a root touch up, but we don't know about their nahas and all these other things that these artists are really capable of. So on Instagram, I just started putting the upload of the day and it's usually something that's, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your podcast, but I have a terrible mouth. It's really a holy shit moment. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that, I say shit all the time. Okay, good. Um, there's those memes about be friends with the people who curse. If right, you could see right. me right now, I'm pointing to myself. Yeah, um, me too. 
Me too. Good. Okay, okay. I'm going to pause you there. Yes. And uh, before we get deeper into that topic, I'm going to back up and yep. give the listeners an idea of kind of who you are. And I'm going to say something first because I think it's really cool. Um, oh, no. Before you were in the beauty industry, you were a child. You were a, a successful uh, uh, child actor. I knew you were going to Google me. Why not? Uh, Why not? No. Yeah. No. Uh, yes. I was a, a very successful child actor. Don't be shy. Okay. I'm not shy. Um, it's just so funny because it's it's been a, a little while. Like it feels like a different life for me now. Sure. Um, but yes, I started when I was really young um, dancing. And I loved it. And by about six years old, I was dancing 40 hours a week um, in addition to school and everything else. And that sort of pulled me into this whole entertainment community of auditioning and and everything else. And my parents were not by any means stage parents. They were like, oh, dear God, we don't want her robbing convenience stores. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We wanted her to go to college. Mm. So. Yeah, despite their uh, discouragement, um, I worked a lot um, and I loved every minute. And yes, I I was a child actor. Um, Well, I'm sure everybody listening is curious what you're in. And if you don't tell them, I will, because you're in She's All That, which is, (laughs) I remember that movie. What was that, late 90s? Yeah, late 90s. I actually wasn't in that much of She's All That. Um, you had a few I, lines. Yeah, I did. I, I had done a ton of TV shows. I, I did probably 50 to 100 commercials by the time I was a preteen. I'm tons in every TV show you can imagine, like everything dating back to like Blossom and all that stuff and The West Wing. And I had a lot of series where I was a series regular for years. And I was actually friends with the director and Freddie Prince Jr. So they they thought it would be fun and funny. And there were a lot of people in that cast that we all were friends. Got so it. it was come and do this. It'll be fun. And so, yes, I'm in. She's all that. Um, and it was definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> and and just to to remind everybody listening, that was Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince. And that was the movie where Rachel Lee <laughs> Cook was a nerd. Right. Yes. And Freddie Prinze Jr. was, there was a, a wager and he had to like date her or something like that, right? So mean. Yeah. High school <laughs> sounds horrific. But yes, he had to like date the nerd. But by the end, she becomes like the hot chick and everybody wants to be around her and good for her. Exactly. So she blossomed. And of course, there, I think the reality was that she was hot and then they just nerdified her and then they unnerdified her. Correct. Yes. yes, she was always beautiful, and she—I didn't know her well, but I do know she was lovely. Um, yeah, and they—you're right—they did make her seem more dorky and geeky than she actually was. But okay, so different. before we move to the next uh, part of your story, anything else that you want to mention that you were part of as an actor? Oh, on TV? Oh God, I don't know. No, I mean I. I don't know. It's so funny. It's a hard question because people are always like, what have I seen you in? And then I tell them a series <laughs> I was on for five years and they're like, oh, I never saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. They can they can Google my, my stuff. But, cool. but cool. yeah. So then how did you get into beauty? Okay. Well, so I was a child actor and I worked through my 20s and, and had a, a phenomenal experience. Um but reality is reality. I owned a house in Los Angeles and reality TV started hitting and I was still getting work, but all my friends were losing their houses 
and my friends were unable to decide. It was that you'd go to dinner parties and it was like, am I paying the mortgage or my kid's college tuition? And I kind of had that inner moment of, okay, here's that moment in life, like sink or swim. You know, I'm still getting work, but do I want to hold out until I'm faced with these decisions? No. And I also kind of felt I was 24, 25. Um, I felt like I'd accomplished a lot. And I had, I mean, at 24 in Los Angeles, I'd owned a house for a couple of years. Like that's a pretty big accomplishment and I'd worked a lot. And I wanted to know if I could sink or swim in the real world. I know that sounds really sort of silly, but I did. Um, so I kept getting phone calls and I didn't even know why, like from different people, like, you know, asking about other things, producing stuff, which would have been a really logical pivot for me to produce TV or film because I, I've actually been producing videos for a while. Um, and, and I'm great at that. So it, in hindsight, it seemed like a logical switch. But instead, I had dinner with a friend and she owned the largest collection of vintage couture clothing in the world. Okay. It's, it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> hand beaded vintage Dior's from 1921 of a kind that you would dress Renee Zellweger in it, you know, and uh, Winona Ryder's most famous Oscar dress and JLo's Deep V green dress, like all those dresses. She owned them all. Amazing. So she okay. said, why don't you come work for me as my head of operations? And I said, you understand I'm wildly under qualified to do that. And she So said, hold on a second. So yeah. she did this as a hobby or as a career? So she, well, both. She started collecting these pieces in her teens. She's probably, I would say late 50s, early 60s now. So in her teens, she started collecting them. Her father was, um, was a fabric manufacturer. And so she would have dinners with Galliano and these amazing designers. And she started as a teenager. She was really ballsy. She started asking, what do you do with your old dresses from Fashion Week? And they would say, well, they're in a warehouse, darling. And she started asking, can I have them? Wow. And they said yes. And she was a teen. And so she started amassing this collection. Um, so then she parlayed it into a career. And she has um, a store in Los Angeles where you cannot bring your entourage. You cannot borrow. So celebrities come in every day, major, major celebrities, and they would have to come in a room where I was and she was, and they'd have to try them on like anybody else, and we would fit the dress to them, and they have to buy it, and then they would wear it to the Oscars, to What's the Grand. What is the store called? It's called Lily AC. It's okay. a really cool store. Not everyone's allowed in. I know it sounds awful. The doors are locked. There's like, it's pieces of art. So it's um, appointment only. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. There was the right way to say it. Um, so it's a it's a very cool thing if you can catch it on a day where it's actually open to just look at the pieces. Um, careful, don't touch. Um, <laughs> so that I did that, and I traveled with her to Paris Fashion Week and did all kinds of crazy stuff. And and that that whole idea of like that fashion world, it actually is very on par with the way it is. And it didn't seem like it was for me long term, but it was a great learning experience. And at that point. Um, I now had a little tiny resume that was, you know, more business oriented, not just my acting resume, which was long. Um, and a friend had said, can I pass it on to someone? Long story short, a beauty distributor reached out to me and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I thought in my mind, outside sales, I can figure out what I want to do, right? Like yeah. I can go to other job interviews, whatever else. So I started with a beauty distributor and it sounds silly, but I quickly fell in love with the stylists. I thought these people are so fucking cool. <laughs> they they get it. They 
they're smart. They, they're here every day. So they're accountable. They're wildly creative. Like these people really have something interesting. And I also kind of felt like it was this look into this personality type or this group of people that was enlightening for me. I was one of those people who just thought my stylist slapped some color on my head or trimmed my hair or did whatever production told them to do with my hair. And I never really thought much about it. They were all nice and I liked them, but I didn't really understand the depth of their creativity. Um, and so I asked a lot of stupid questions. You know, I got drugged in the back room a couple of times. I'm like, ooh, you just stick your hands in everyone's hair? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to say or what to do. And and I stuck with it for four years. I was the top selling rep in California at that time for that distributor. And What distributor was it? It was Beauty Solutions. Okay, sure. And I love them. I still work with them. They're awesome. Um, and during the time I was there, Bang Style launched as a brand. I don't know if you know this, that Bankstyle had a product line as well. Okay, so you did not launch the brand? I did not. Okay. I did not. Um, Bankstyle was launched by a different set of owners at that time. At that time, it was owned by the Kevin Murphy Group. And it's a cool story. So they were launching this product line that was meant to be more sort of like a general user friendly. So professional only meaning sold in salon, but it was really a consumer brand. It was a lower price point, very edgy, um, relatable to the consumer, probably more than like a high end stylist brand. And while they were developing the product, they were working with an outside agency who thought we should start a website and start building, you know, people, traffic, whatever. And then when we launch the product, there'll already be people there to see it, which is a great idea. The only problem with that was the agency they hired, none of them had had any experience with anything hair or beauty, and most of them were men who floated around from barbershop to barbershop and didn't get anything about hair or salon. So when I met them, it was like kismet. Like I fell in love with it. I thought there was so many possibilities. I felt like it was just this ultimate wave of creativity of all the things they could be doing. So I started calling them all the time, giving them ideas, inviting them to come with me to salons, um, sometimes telling my distributorship, sometimes not. <laughs> I would just take them along for the day and show them stuff. Um, and ultimately it turned into, we need you, we need your help. Um, so it worked out really well. Um, everyone at Beauty Solutions was so supportive and I ended up jumping over to be the marketing director. Um, the product packaging was not great and needed help and they weren't really open to investing to redoing it all again. So at the end of the day, they decided to drop the package or drop the product line, excuse me, and keep the website because the website was growing and growing and growing and all these people were joining and now we added a upload your hair picture function and now we've got more hair pictures than we know what to do with and it almost seemed like the community was telling us what they wanted. Like the stylists were saying like, these are these are cool features or it would be great if you had this for us. So of course me being me and having been in a salon for four years, I wanted to know what the stylist wanted to say and what they wanted to put out there about themselves. So after a couple of years, the, um, the website kind of just got turned over to me. And then in this last year, I actually ended up buying out all of the um, the different parties who owned little bits and pieces here and there. And so for about a solid year now, it's been just fine. Wow. Well, mine and my team. Right. I can't do it by myself. So. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's definitely been cool and a wild ride and really fun. 
So, okay, so for somebody who is listening and does not know Bing style, where is the first place that you would send them? Okay, well, naturally, I would say go to bangstyle.com. Okay, bangstyle.com is going to be the first place that we're going to go, and I am going to take us directly to something that I found extremely interesting, which <laughs> is on your, uh, on your blog, and yeah. it's a story that you, I guess you wrote it? That one of my team members wrote it, who's a licensed cosmetologist, who's a stylist, but this is something that we've talked about a lot amongst ourselves. Okay, so this was written today, or at least uploaded today, and it's titled yeah. Stop Talking Shit. Yeah, Stop Talking Shit was published today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we definitely live by our words. Um, we believe, you know, just leave the gossip behind. I feel like our industry is so beautiful and so incredible, and we have the ability to work together to elevate the craft of hair. And sometimes we get stuck in the mud a little. Um, also, too, it's hard because our clients sit down or clients in the salon, and they basically talk shit for, like, hours on end. And we're <laughs> listening to gossip and the whole thing. And I think sometimes that's infectious, but I actually think part of that stylist job is to, you know, obviously be supportive of the client, listen and talk or whatever, but leave it there. I mean, that's really what it's all about. It's about like, let's all work together to elevate the craft of hair. Let's be professionals. Let's be seen as professionals. Um, think twice before we post on social. Um, there's a little graphic in here, which is actually um, Bianca. We did an, an article or sorry, Brianna, excuse me, not Bianca, Brianna. Um, Yes, we did an article with her uh, recently, and this picture is it's pretty intense, you know, but she had posted it on her social and and we had a great conversation with her about it. And you'll see when you look in the article, words matter, you know, and I know that that feels very elementary. And our moms used to tell us that be careful what you say, because words matter, but they do. And I think it is that thinking twice before we put something out there on social um, not making fun of the clients, not sharing those memes that are so readily available to us. Um, you know, it's it's who we want to be. Like we all want to be great, vibrant, loving, successful people. So don't stop short of that. And and this article, I think, really talks about a few different ways to do it, and also gives you a couple of examples of of artists like our friend Sam Via, who we think is is actually doing it right. But yeah, we, we don't shy away from those topics like don't talk shit. <laughs> so part of my job as the host is to be the devil's advocate and, and talk interestingly about things. So in the salon, we want to have an informal, fun atmosphere, right? So the clients, they sit down in the chair and they're going to get a couple hours. And it may be the only two hours during the week or, or a two-week two week or three-week period of time where they can sit down with their girlfriends and talk shit and, yeah. and it's fun and it's formal. Um, where do you draw balance? Well, I think you just said it like, that's it. Like they're in your chair. You're having that conversation. It's like junk food, you know, it's like, okay, eat the cupcake, but you're not going to eat it all day, every day. Like, yeah, they're in your chair. You're having that conversation. They're kind of talking shit. It it relates to something you've experienced too. But like, don't go in the back room and continue that on with everybody else. That's not necessary. Don't splash it all over social. You know, it's just indulge in the right moment and then set it aside and don't take it with you and don't make your career about that. Yeah. Because I get stylists. There's so much more to offer right. than 
than that kind of sort of catty whatever attitude. Like I'm all about the secret. So, you know, let's yeah, just the, let the book. Us. Yeah, I totally am. I'm one of those dorks. I'm all about the secret. You attract things to yourself. And it's like, if you get caught up in that talking shit all the time and you're talking shit, don't you think you're attracting more of that? And are people now talking shit about you? I just don't want that for me personally. Right. So I think it really boils down to prioritizing being a professional, right? Yes. And you interacting right. in a professional way. Absolutely. And as much as um, hairdressers love to be friends with their clients, yes. first and for foremost, they need to be a professional, right? Agree a thousand percent. And so I think it's a slippery slope when you start talking shit and it's fun and it's informal. Yeah. But it could very, very quickly get unprofessional and uncomfortable for somebody um, in addition to uh, being likely to perpetuate negativity, you know, yeah. o over a, a longer period of time than maybe was originally intended, right? Yeah, and also too, we want we want those clients to go away feeling like that was a phenomenal experience, and they want to come back. And sometimes I think, you know, I've been really close friends with a lot of my stylists, and I'm lucky to say I now live in Austin, Texas, even though I lived in LA for 25 years, I'm still friends with a lot of those stylists that I had along the way. Um, but we want them to leave thinking like, she's amazing, I wanna come back. Not like, woof, man, if she talks about this one like that, what does she say about me? You know, I think to your point, it really is, we can acknowledge and kind of, you know, relate, but I think it's, let's not, let's not roll around in the mud. Right. What about the, what about the haters online? Because just my own anecdotal experience, because we run six Instagram accounts out of the office here, and my right. own, uh, anecdotal experience is that Instagram has been a pretty nice positive place for the for, for the last several years. YouTube mm -hmm. not so much. Right. And it seems like Instagram is becoming not such a, a nice, gentle, super positive place recently. Are you experiencing I'm kind this? I hear you say that because I've seen some of the band-aids ripped off and I'm like, is it just me who's seeing this? Um, so thank you. Uh, yeah, we, BankStyle also has an agency side where we do a lot of agency work for other brands and we run a lot of social accounts. And yeah, you're right. I've seen some mudslinging. Um, for me personally, I feel like if the moment is right to step in and and acknowledge the haters and make it kind of make a positive spin on it. First of all, we all know it's really stupid school girl or schoolyard behavior. If somebody doesn't think you're doing something right, they're not going to say anything at all. So first, I take it as a compliment. If you took the time to comment, even if you're going to trash talk, I'm kind of smiling. I kind of think you like what I do. Um, so I don't take it to heart. And second, I kind of think say something back, not snarky. Always like, thank you so much for commenting on my post. Like, I almost feel like I piss them off more because I just, you know, kill them with kindness, as your mom would say, or, yeah. you know, get more honey with bees or whatever that <laughs> is. I'm vegan. I don't know what the bees are doing. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I just, I don't get it. I say the same thing about don't talk shit. Like, don't, don't start talking shit back. But you are right. And there's plenty of haters. And who cares? Yeah. You know, people just feel free to stay, say stuff because they're on their phone and they can't see your face. Like, 
you know, I would respect it more if they would walk up to me at a trade show and be like, yeah, by the way, your Instagram sucks. (laughs) (laughs) So respect that more. So you and I are curators on Instagram. And uh, so it's, you know, I, I, at least from my perspective, you know, I am separated from the actual content. I did not create the hair that I chose to post, right? Right. And, and so when we get a couple hundred comments and 50 of them are people who are just unleashing, mm. you know, their negative opinion about what it was, I am separated from from that creativity of the of the actual content. So I don't take it personally. It's really easy for me not to take it personally. I'm shocked that somebody would spend the time. And and of course, I, like you, am appreciative that they spent the time to write something. And I really enjoy writing back. I'm like, well, why, you know, what didn't you like about that? I I like creating a conversation, but I know that the hairdresser, the hairdressers I know well, they are very personally offended by it. I, and I don't know if, if they, um, at least the ones that I know, they have a hard time separating themselves. I, you know, the funny thing is like with Bang Style and all the artists all over the globe who are uploading, when I pick something, I do feel a little emotionally attached to it. Like I'm, a, I'm upset for them if somebody's trash talking. So some, we've had, like, I don't really divulge too deeply into the subject matter because I thought it was inappropriate, but there was a photo I uploaded and people thought it was, they, they, for whatever reason, they, they felt the need to trash talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had 350 comments back and forth. And for a long time, I let it ride. And then I jumped in and said, okay, we're here to celebrate the artist. Let's all take a minute and celebrate the fact that not only did the artist create something cool, whether you like it or not, but they created it and then had the guts to upload it and share it with the world. I would love to see your hair art. And it wasn't a challenge. It wasn't a dig at them. It was just, you know, shut the fuck up. Like we're here to celebrate cool people who are putting themselves out there. And like any other way it would be, you know, asking somebody on a date or, you know, going to a restaurant alone or whatever it is. Like they were brave enough to put themselves out there. So I'm sorry. I'm not interested in what you have to say. And I didn't feel the need to talk smack with them, but I kind of let them go until I get to the point where I'm emotionally upset about it. (laughs) And that's when I know it's time to step in. But I will say in the, so Bankstyle has been around for seven years, uh, or no, a little longer, eight years. In the seven years I've been involved, uh, I have only had to step in, I think that one time and be like, okay, enough. So we've been really lucky, but I have seen more of it lately. And again, I would employ everyone to stay professional because at the end of the day, your comment links back to your profile, your images. And and that's what we want people to see is that you are this incredible professional that is absolutely worth driving far, far, far out of our way to go sit in your chair. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you bring it back. And I try to do the same. There's, and as you were talking about how there's a point at which you get emotional about it, and, and it, it reminded me of something that happened about a week ago. I posted a picture, and in the picture, it was a um, kind of a blogger or a vlogger, beauty vlogger with curly hair. And she very much had curly hair. And one of the hashtags that I used was curly hair or natural curls or something. Somebody yeah. got so upset and claimed that those were not curls. 
And I, I wrote, well, of course there are curls. You know, and, and I couldn't, I went to this person's account and, and there wasn't a picture of themselves on the profile and it was a <laughs> private account. So I couldn't tell, you know, if they had curly hair or not. But I was, I was trying to be empathetic. Like, why is this person so upset that I hashtagged natural yeah. curls on this girl who clearly had natural curls. And even if you didn't, learn about hashtags. It's a way to go fishing for new followers. You can hashtag anything you want, for God's sake. She was so upset. And so <laughs> I wrote something along the lines of, like, I mean, they're, they're obviously curls. And, you know, maybe your curls are tighter. I don't know. But... <laughs> You know, you know, I'm not really sure why you're upset. And um, anyway, I got upset. Like, I got emotional. Like, I got upset that she was so upset about me using this hashtag. <laughs> and so I, I did have to walk away from that one. And, and then I'll talk about, you reminded me of one other one. Um, there was, I had the hater of all haters. This was maybe, this was maybe a year ago. And there was a huge fire in California, if you remember. I don't know if it was the most recent one. This is two, this is September 2019 that we're talking. I don't think it was the one like three or four months ago. I think it was one like maybe two years ago. It was like the freeway fire. The what? The freeway fire, the big one was I think September. Okay, so I, I, that might be it. But I, no. I, I posted something on my personal, and my personal, you know, I have about 10,000 followers on there. It's not our bigger ones. And I had somebody, and, and I posted something with fires, and, and it was like a you know, uh, you know, th th uh, think about California kind of post, right? Yeah. And and I got a uh, what seemed like a kid from like Serbia or Kazakhstan or something, and he hated America. He was, you know, he no. was part of like one of the Soviet kind of satellite countries. And he believed that uh, as Americans, we're evil and we want to destroy Russia and the satellite nations, you know, the, the nations which are actually being taken over by Russia. And yeah. it became the, like a remarkable conversation that I had with this guy. And uh, he was so upset. And then we took, over, took it over to DM. And I really wanted to understand, um, you know, where this, where this dude was coming from. So we got into this political conversation and he had all these beliefs about our government and the way that we do things. And it, it, that was the mother of all hater conversations. Probably well, you guys continued it on over DM. That's pretty cool. We did. Yeah. I really wanted to get to the root. And um, in the end, uh, he didn't respond to something because I challenged one of his facts about like foreign policy. Yeah. But anyway, that was uh, something else. Well, by the way, remarkable. You said you have like 10,000 personal followers. I never upload to my personal account. I have like no followers. So good on you. <laughs> you only I, see like vegan posts or my three dogs. <laughs> That's really it. It's all boxers, maybe some travel and probably something I made for dinner. Um, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what uh, has made it easier for me. And that was uh, we started uh, because we started running uh, more accounts here in the office. We, ha we have the Salon Republic account. We have right. the Hair Game Podcast account. We have a big account called SalonRepublic.Creators. We have yep. Short Hair and we have Fine.Hair. And then we have mine. And I only run two. I run my personal and I run the big account, Salon Republic Creators. Right. And in order for us to do this, to run these accounts well, and to, you know, to accomplish, you know, our goals, uh, we started using later.com. Do you know later? Yep. 
Oh yeah, we we use Buffer for our clients, okay. which makes their life easier. It because makes it so much easier. I two phones. I'm maxed out on Instagram on two phones just so <laughs> I can have access to everyone's accounts, which is great. But then at the end of the day, I have nothing left to say. I don't want to post on my personal page unless one of my dogs is doing something cute. So I'm mostly mostly a you know a voyeur on my personal. <laughs> I just want to see what everyone else is posting all day. What I missed. Um, yeah, I'm terrible about doing it for myself. Great for everybody else. All right, let's talk about the, your broad perspective of the beauty industry because you have a, you do, you have a broad uh, perspective on the industry. What are you seeing out there? I see so much potential. I mean, I think there's so much that's happening in our industry in terms of changes. And I know there's some things that make people queasy, like online sales and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, the stylist is still the only place that we can get you know, this incredible professional service. And I think there's so much value in it. And I actually think as much as we've all cringed over the years about home hair color and everything else, it's just reinforced that it really is a service that needs to be done in the salon. I think the stylist more than ever, I'm proud to work with the stylist that I do. I just think more than ever they are, they're educated, they're engaged. Um, I think the industry's really bright. I've I've been a Naha judge for the last four years in a row. Super cool. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I sp- actually, maybe even longer, I sponsored the after party for like four years in Vegas, which was a lot of fun. Um, but I have to tell you the most exciting category in terms of all the entries, the level of creativity was the newcomers. I just think there's so much to look forward to in the industry. I think brands are taking a really interesting stake in the ground when it comes to renewable sources, um, packaging that makes a difference. Kevin Murphy changing to ocean waste plastic, uh, Matrix and the L'Oreal brands all investing in vegan and plant-based ingredients, um, phasing out of animal testing all over the world. Like I know there's always this underlying tone of a little bit of fear in any industry about is it growing? Are we going to make enough? Are we making the right steps? Is Amazon killing everyone? I think there's always something that we can be afraid of, but I actually think as an industry, we're we're pushing into some really cool territory. I love that. I love that. Part of your business is you uh, you're an agency for yes. I I was going to say personal branding, but it's not so personal. I guess I guess it's the you know, professional, um, beauty professional, right? Yeah. Um, who needs help in this or that? Why don't you tell us about that? Well, a little bit on the on the professional, but mostly brands. Um, so as Bank Style continued and we were growing our social presence, and for us, you know, we don't have the largest social presence. I mean, you guys obviously, and a lot of the brands, and even Hairbrain and some of the other um, beauty sites sort of dwarf us in in our social following because for us, the priority was to grow our own platform versus sending everyone to Instagram, which makes sense. We want them to upload to Bank Style, but we still play in all of those different areas. Um, And brands started sort of taking note of like, hey, you guys are doing something cool here, or I see your following is growing, could you help us? Um, The answer was yes. And and, uh, my first video series was with Matrix a long time ago. They had this series called the Fast Forward series, where artists like Jamie Stevens did six different models 
and it was basically accelerated into a one minute video. There's some artists out there who are like, oh yeah, I saw that. Um, where the guy started with long hair and he ended with like really short hair. He was stunning. Um, girls with long hair that ended up with a pixie and we've styled their hair throughout. Daniel Rodan did them, a bunch of different artists from Matrix. So they had approached us about a video and I actually did the whole production. Um, a crew of 40 in Los Angeles. The DP was the DP from Mad Max. The cameraman does all the Apple commercials. Because of my entertainment industry background, I could kind of grab my friends and be like, hey guys, Panavision gave me cameras that are usually like $10,000 a day. Um, so we had a crazy crew and that was a lot of fun. We did that and then we started dabbling in social and brands just kept asking us for more help. So in the last year when, when I bought out all the shareholders, um, it still feels weird to say I haven't really told that many people. It's funny over the last year, I think maybe a handful of people even know that I own bank style all myself, but it feels like a very big girl thing to do for me. Um, <laughs> So I decided it was time that we sort of launch an agency arm and officially offer all of these services that we've been doing little bits here and there. So now we have about 12 clients that we do regular work for all of their social content creation. Some of them were doing their education. Um, we're doing their blogs, like anything content driven. We're, we're doing all of it and we're having a blast. That's why I say all my girls are badasses. Mm -hmm. We've got a bunch of uh, we've got some girls who are licensed cosmetologists who are now working with us, which is really cool to see them. You know, they were ready to try something new, and now they're writing amazing articles that are on Bank Style or maybe a brand's blog. Um, so yeah, we've really sort of expanded. So we have BankStyle.com. We also have NailStyle.com, and we have social for all of those, and then we've got everybody else's. It's a lot so, of work. So how many people in the office? How many how many team members do you have? So we do all of that and full time there's four of us. Wow. Yeah, That's cool. but we have we do have some contractors we work with as well. Some people who dabble here and there when they can and and that we outsource particular stuff because that's their strength over ours. And and are you all in Austin or are you kind of remote? No, we're all satellite. We're everywhere. Um we have two girls in Los Angeles, one's in San Diego, I'm in Austin. We're actually gonna be adding another one and I think um, my next edition will be here in Austin because it would be nice if I had somebody I could collaborate with in person sometimes. I love Austin, it's one of my favorite cities. Me too, me too. I, I hadn't been here before and um, I've been with someone for a few years now and he's from here and we decided to make the leap and we moved here two years ago and now my sister and her husband are here. My parents just moved here. Wow. And I'm bringing them all. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you said that you, you do mostly brands. Do you also do branding for uh, independent individual beauty pros? We we have a couple. We have a couple who um, who've come to us and have a pretty solid following, but don't actually have the time. Like you were saying later, you know, they don't they don't have the time to work with those tools that will help them to post later. Excuse the pun. Right. Um, so we are helping some of those pros, and then we also publish a fair amount of articles um, on the Bing Style site that are like Instagram 101 ways to grow your social media following, things like that. Like we try and give them those tips and tricks that we use in house to empower them to go out there and, and do more of it. Because I know for a lot of stylists, it feels like another job. Right. They know they need to do it, but I am the first to say I I hear you. It's a lot of work, but it also is. It's sort of their 
their digital portfolio now. It's their book 10 years ago. You know, this is what they're putting out there about themselves and their career and those artists looking to make the shift into editorial runway, any of that stuff, fashion week. Um, this is where people are going to go find you. So it's yeah. worth the yeah. investment. All right. So what would you tell to a hairdresser who knows that they need to kind of up the up their game on their branding? Uh, give us some key points. What should they be working on? What should they think about? Okay. First, whenever you upload a photo, you should think to yourself, would I share this? If it was somebody else's work, would I share this? You know, really be be careful. I don't want them to overthink it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Messy is actually in on Instagram right now. So it doesn't have to be over stylized or perfect. Just clean background, good lighting, a great shot of the hair. Don't use filters on the color. Um, best practices, add some, add some hashtags. You don't have to add too many, um, but don't put the word hair, you know, don't use hashtags that have so many millions of other people using them that they're just going to get lost. Remember that's a tool to be found. So you want to use hashtags that are anywhere. I particularly feel like the million up to three to five, six million are a great sweet spot. Not using those hashtags where you're going to get buried by, you know, three million other people in the last hour. Hashtag uh, hair. Yes. Don't, no, just don't hashtag hair. Never do it. <laughs> okay. But really quick, before we move on to the next one, um, I really like what you said in the beginning and I want to make sure that everybody got it. You said what? that. Make sure that the content, that the picture or the video is something that they would share if it was somebody else's work. Yeah, because then you then you actually bring it back to like, okay, does this accomplish that goal? I'm on social for what reason? If I, Am I on social to get new clients? Am I on social to build myself a really badass portfolio so next year I can get a spot at Fashion Week? First, let's establish our goals and then let's make sure that the content we're putting up there correlates to the goal that we want to reach. And if you ask yourself, would I share this? Let's just not put stuff up there for the sake of putting stuff up there. Let's be consistent and let's be smart about what we post. Okay. What's next? You know, it's it doesn't have to be difficult, but I do love those accounts that don't look overly curated, but I do like using A stories we know are important, but B highlight covers. I think it's great when the accounts look beautiful and it doesn't look messy. Um, highlight covers are awesome. And I think from a branding standpoint, having maybe a logo or a picture of yourself as your icon there in the profile, as well as I think some great simple covers over your highlights and actually saving those highlights, using stories that are gonna work for you. Uh, maybe it's tips in the salon, Maybe it's a quick little hairdo that you can show in your story. Maybe it's a product, why you like it, why it's helping to grow your business, or maybe not even you. Maybe it's someone else in the salon that you think is doing cool stuff. Um, I just think all of those are great ways to not only follow or grow your following, excuse me, but to kind of show off who you are, making it you, personalizing your account so that it doesn't look like everybody else's. So when you say cover over the highlights, you're talking about the, the highlights uh, below your profile, above your feed, and yeah, little the little bubbles, and, yes. and not to simply use the, um, not, not to use the aesthetic of the first story in the string of highlights, because you didn't do the highlight based off of what it's going to look like. Um, on the on your page, right? But create an image, and using what what like what uh, software? So, well, if you Google it, um, Hootsuite and all these other companies have articles with a lot of different free tools. So, and you can even Google how to create an Instagram cover for highlights. 
There's a lot of free tools where ultimately at the end of the day, you can, you know, type in a word, maybe it's balayage, maybe that cat, you have a category or maybe it shows or in salon and you can create a little image. And then if you Google it, it'll give you the instructions. Ultimately you're uploading that photo to your highlight and then you can save that photo as the cover. It's not as hard as it sounds. I know it sounds like, oh dear God, but it's not that bad. It's pretty easy and it makes your account seem more streamlined. Cause like you were saying, it's just gonna automatically pick a picture to pick as a cover and it may not be the one that best reflects that story. Yes. And as you add to your highlights, it'll keep shuffling them around which is nice because now you've got a uniform look with all your covers. So it doesn't matter if today's first cover is salon or products or me, maybe it's a little something about yourself. Um, whatever it is, it still has this aesthetic that complements you and all the photos below it. Because what, what I feel like sometimes happens is those bubbles, the picture it picks can be a little distracting from your actual account below. Yeah, or above. Well, if you want to click on something like your link. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I need I need to do that by the way. I am I am case in point number one for being super lazy about the <laughs> highlight bubble cover. Do the bubble cover. And none of us are perfect. I think on Bang Style I still have a new one I have to to redo and and Jesse will probably tell me later I should have already done it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, it's a great cool tool that they gave us so that our accounts are a nice for clean reflection of who we are. Okay. It's like the home edit for your account. No, I think it's great. So I, I'm I'm gonna ask you for one or two more um, little branding sort of uh, highlights. And I want you to zero in on a beauty professional who wants to build their clientele. Okay, beauty, okay. That's their goal. Perfect, so you wanna build your clientele, what are you looking to build? And who are you looking to build it with? That's the first question you're asking. What kind so, of clients? Correct. Who are you building? Like, what is your area? Is it like a young millennial? Is it a mom? So I think what we get sucked into, I'm posting on, on social and from a branding perspective, I think sometimes it's hard to think about this, is we post what we like. But the reality is this account, the whole point of it is what we're trying to attract. Mm -hmm. From a branding perspective, if I'm trying to attract the millennial, then maybe I don't wanna always be posting gray coverage. I was gonna so, say gray coverage, <laughs> because that's the example everybody uses. Right, it is, it is the example, but it's true. And, that, and gray coverage is a great bread and butter for most of the professionals in the industry. However, if our demographic where we live, who is around us is really the millennial and that's what we're trying to attract, from a branding perspective, you need to make sure your account is attractive to that millennial in your area. I would also suggest that you tailor your hashtags to things that apply to what that millennial in your area is looking for. Okay, so give us some examples of that. Okay, so hashtags, I think we all just get comfortable in putting hairstyle, you know, hairdresser magic, blonde balayage. Well, that's great, but we're attracting a global audience that's just looking at those. If you were looking to build your business, if I were here in Austin, I'd be, you know, doing Austin hairstylist or Austin ATX, you know, maybe some local events that are happening nearby. Things that I think, like I said before, I think I, I quickly said the phrase go fishing. I talk about social all the time as like going fishing. So how am I gonna catch that person that I want in my chair? 
So any local events, um, local establishments, partnering up with them, maybe using some hashtags they use. Um, those are all great ways to go fishing for the next client and really brand yourself as the stylist for that person. Mm, I like that. I like that. So um, for you in Austin, you've got Sixth yeah. Street, you've got lots of events, you've got yeah. um, the bars and the cool restaurants. So if you were a hairdresser and you wanted a millennial clientele and you didn't, you're not starting with one, so you're trying to build this clientele, you would hashtag certain uh, places where millennials would go. Yeah, as well as the college. I mean, we, we're a big college town. So I would be hashtagging UT, game day, all of that stuff. Like, it doesn't always have to relate to hair. I know that sounds counterintuitive. And I know sometimes it can be frustrating when you're looking through a hashtag, you know, I don't know, at Comme de Garçon, and somebody has hashtagged something totally unrelated, but you actually notice that more than you notice all the others that fit in. So find a way to stand out. Um, it's in any college town, you want to hashtag those school events, football games, all of that stuff that's relevant, trending and today so that people are seeing you. We want to make sure if we're picking event hashtags that it's something upcoming or relevant. So yeah, Austin's got tons. We've got Sixth Street, Sixth Street, Congress, downtown, paddleboarding, Lake Austin, Lake Travis. I mean, they need it. They can DM me. I'll send them more. Okay, so let's reverse engineer this for the listeners. How yes. exactly, let's say you hashtag game day, something like, you know, Longhorns and uh, something related, you, you know, like UT uh, A&M game or whatever. You yeah. use that hashtag and then how does the, the potential client find you? Yeah, so link in bio, all of that information is now searchable, which is really great. So be careful with your words and use strategic words. Obviously, we want to put hairstylist. We want to put Austin. We want to put the name of the salon. Hold on. Um, I'm, I'm talking specifically about using a, an yeah. event-related hashtag. So how does that event-related hashtag get that client to see your picture? Oh, well, ultimately, if they're searching those hashtags, they're going to find that photo. I mean, that's really the goal. So, you know, if you post something that's great and in your text, you can also include those hashtags in your text. That's the best chance you've got. If somebody's searching that actual event to then find your photo and your account. So the point is that an event that is very popular, you've got 80,000 people or no, I mean, 80,000 probably attending the event. And then you probably have... More. You know, maybe 300, maybe a million people who are watching the event on TV, right? You're yes. going to have a certain number of those people who are going to search the hashtag looking for related content uh, content of it just for Correct. entertainment purposes. And yeah. then they're going to see a beautiful picture of hair um, amongst all the football videos of people holding their, their uh, phones in front of their TV screens. And yep. that's going to stick out. Yeah. And that's really my point. Yes. Like this is your opportunity to stand out versus blending in when we're always using hashtags. I'm not saying don't use hashtags related to hair, but I'm saying use some that go outside the box. Take your thinking outside that box. Go fishing for the clients that you want. And like I said before, maybe it's not the millennial going to, you know, root for the Longhorns on game day like this last weekend. Maybe it's the mom. Maybe you're hashtagging the school or local events that have to do with kids 
kids, um, local mommy groups, like really get to know the client that you want and relate your content to them. Tell a story in your post and use those hashtags that those actual people are looking for or looking through. Um, and that's how you're gonna be found. Okay, one more personal branding hack for the hairdresser. Okay, so my one of my favorites is the link in bio is really cool. And, and it's a, a great way for you to connect. It's a great way for you to say, if you wanna see more, go to my link in bio, right? But you only get this like tiny little place to put a website or I'm looking at a stylist right now on my phone and she's got her email in the link in bio because it really was the only place to put it. So my favorite tool is Linktree. And Linktree allows you to set that up and then you can put in a whole bunch of them. So you can put in a link to book a service with you. Maybe if you're on Style Seat or somewhere else, maybe you wanna put your personal website, you can put all of them. It doesn't limit you any longer. So Linktree is one of my favorite little professional hacks that not everybody knows about because then you can have 15 different things, rotate them out every month and you can actually see who clicked on them and how many people are clicking so you can see what what you're posting that's resonating with your your fans and your followers. I love Linktree, I use Linktree. It's uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, I believe, is, yes. the, is the URL on that. And yep. it's free unless you want to customize the look of it a little bit more, in which case it's like five bones a month. Yeah, it's cost effective, it's a cool tool, it's easy to use, and I think, and I love that you love it too. Um, I think it's one of those things that like those of us who are professionals, we know how to manipulate the tools that Instagram and Facebook have given us and they try to limit us, but we won't let them. Um, and I think it's a cool way for stylists to really show themselves off because I love that so many are investing time and energy in a website, but they also have a booking app and they also have a Facebook page. You could link to that or an event you're doing, a charity you're passionate about. Like, there's so many ways to show off who you are, so let's not limit ourselves. Let's say you were an independent hairdresser. Uh, would you get yourself a website? Yes, I would, because I'm a hairdresser at heart, even though I'm a kitchen cosmetologist. <laughs> I maybe covered my sister's first grace recently. Um, <laughs> and, and it went well, if anybody's curious. Good, good. Yeah. So, I absolutely would have a website because I think if you're able to tie all of those things together in terms of where you work, the work that you're putting out there, maybe a cause that you're passionate about, um, a link to book an appointment. I don't see it as a threat to the actual salon. I think particularly the booth renter is a really exciting stylist in our industry. I love that there are so many artists who are taking control of their own careers and taking control of their own future. And I think especially for that booth renter, it's a great opportunity for you to show off what you're capable of. So <laughs> let's say someone has zero time, they have a zero budget, how do they make themselves a website? Okay, we gotta have one or the other. Let, um, okay, let's say somebody has four minutes on one day on the weekend and they have a zero budget. Where do you send them? Zero budget is pretty easy actually because you do have a lot of like free online tools. First I'd send them to Google because there's a couple different websites that they could use, but it really is about that time investment. Um, I also think in this 
day and age, there is absolutely nothing wrong with knowing your clients, which we pretty much do. I bet one of you knows somebody who's doing something with websites, work and trade. You can absolutely do a trade and get somebody to help you with a really simple website. Or you can go online and do it yourself with the four minutes. But I think that's one of those things that you could absolutely get somebody to do it for you who would be thrilled and honored to help. Is there a, a website platform that you prefer? Oh, you're asking the hard questions. You know, I'm going to be completely 100% honest here. I haven't, because of the the industry that I'm in, I've never had to do it myself. I can write a little bit of code. Um, I ended up, the guy I moved to Austin with is the owner of the company that redid Bang Style. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so that's cheating. <laughs> that's so, cheating. Okay, but there's, so I'm gonna. <laughs> but there are several um, free tools that you can use to build a website. Yes, like I think Square Up and uh, or, I'm sorry, Squarespace and WordPress and yeah, WordPress is an easy one. That's more blog driven for the artist who wants to write a blog. I think WordPress is a great one. Squarespace is a really easy one for you just to create a basic website. Um, Wix. Wix is one. Um, I feel like Squarespace is sort of the most popular, but but yeah. Okay, what do you see on Facebook? Should should an independent beauty professional be spending time on Facebook still? I think Facebook is a really valuable platform. And interestingly enough, um, we've seen a trend with a lot of our clients that Facebook is actually growing faster than a lot of the Instagram accounts right now. Instagram, they're undergoing, undergoing so many changes. I mean, they're hiding the likes. Uh, they're, I think, up to seven countries. They're talking about deploying that in the United States. Um, there's a lot of changes there. So the algorithm has made it a little bit more difficult to grow. And for all those haters who said Facebook is dead, no, it's not. <laughs> Their user base has doubled in the last six months in terms of activity. It's crazy the stats that Facebook is publishing. I don't know if they're all true. <laughs> they're, they're saying that their um, their user activity has doubled in the last six months. Their engagement is up. And I would have to say that the engagement for all of the accounts that we run has been really high. So I think for the professional stylist, there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity there on Facebook. I do love that video right now is highly engaged on Facebook and not only is Facebook recognizing it as valuable content, but they're allowing you to put in little meta tags. And what that means is when you upload your video, you can put in tags like hair, hairstylist, things like that. And it's showing your content to people who are looking at other content like that. I think, again, keeping it professional. I think having a page for a professional stylist that is not your personal page is a great idea. I think having a page where you're just posting things that relate to our industry, tips, tricks. There's just, like, my point is there's content everywhere to be found is my right. point, whether okay. it's style or bank style. Any reason that you shouldn't be automatically um, uploading your Instagram content to Facebook? You know, you, you hit the toggle at the bottom. It's no, I think you should do that, but here's my caveat. You absolutely should do that, but it shouldn't be the only thing. 
that you post because I do see a lot of artists. I understand you're you're busy, you're in salon, social isn't your all day job, and it is really easy to just toggle that and shove it over to Twitter and to Instagram or to Facebook. Excuse me, that's fine to do and it's great. But if it's a duplicate of your Instagram account, why should I follow both? Yeah. So what we want to do is make that supplementary content so that that's just one more thing you're posting. Okay. What about TikTok? You on TikTok? No, but I love watching all my friends' kids on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not, but my friends' kids send me really funny videos of them dancing. And occasionally I get the um, husband video of <laughs> somebody's husband on TikTok. That's funny. You on it? I am on, well, am I on it? I, te- I technically, yes, I have a TikTok account. Okay. Um, Salon Republic has a TikTok account. Uh, I don't know if our if the podcast the, has a TikTok. Are your artists huh? are your artists putting videos on there? Do I need to follow? Um, I a couple. I've been working with a couple of our higher profile hairstylists to open TikTok accounts. Um, I have met a few TikTok influencers that I've I've um, hooked up with some of our higher profile people in order to kind of collab and get a little bit of that youthful um, yeah. experience with TikTok up to the the people who are really good at Instagram. So I've right. I've kind of created those collabs. Okay, uh, I'm gonna stalk the Republic account and some of the others. I'm gonna need to see what's happening over there. The Salon Republic TikTok account, I believe has maybe two posts on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> However, we have generated some content. I think we're waiting to to release it when we we can do it a little bit more regularly um we we have not put a great deal of emphasis into tiktok yet but we are there we have staked claim in the ground in the tiktok ground and for those listening just a little background tiktok is a chinese owned company and they have come onto the scene big time just in the last i don't know call it 12 months, um, they've spent a billion dollars on advertising around the world, and they are looking to crush the uh, the landscape for the younger generation. If, at this point, it's mostly, huh? I feel like they're crushing it for the kids. They, they are crushing it for the kids, and the engagement on there, if one was to believe the numbers, sometimes... Sometimes I don't always trust, you know, some, some of these Chinese companies have been found to be cheating here and there. Um, and so here comes this upstart Chinese company with all of a sudden, you know, a billion users and in these kids dancing in front of their cell phones are getting millions of views and you're watching this and you're like, why the hell would even yeah. three people watch this uh, more um, than a million or two million? So I, I'm not sure if I'm I'm fully on board, but it might happen. Yeah. I'm a little skeptical with all the social platforms, with the engagement that they report. Sometimes I, with Bingstyle, we use a lot of third-party companies so we can plug in the accounts and, and get the feedback and we can match it up. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just don't always trust what they're putting out there. Um, but I'm with you. I, the TikTok thing is hysterical. I love that you guys 
maybe might play in that <laughs> that space. <laughs> um, ha- we used to have an office in, in LA and we were all together. And I think if we were all together, maybe we would because there were some antics. Um, I w- there was a photo shoot. I don't want to say who the artist was because I don't even want them to know. But so our office used to have a studio like a really big studio. It was amazing. It was in this like super ghetto, like really sketch looking building, but we had the the top floor and it was extraordinary with like Libetta would come and shoot there every week. The lighting was amazing. So we had an artist drop off these crazy, just unbelievable costumes. I wouldn't even say outfits, costumes, big shoulders, glitz and glamor, sequins everywhere. And to go back to the antics around the office, I don't know why, but we all went and got undressed and tried them all on. Why not? <laughs> why not? We never told them that we did that because they asked us if it was safe to leave them um, until the following Monday. Yeah, of course it's safe. And we all you know, took selfies and videos and some of which got leaked out into some of our personal accounts. But yeah, I think had we all been together, we might be rocking it out on TikTok together. You'd have a million <laughs> followers on TikTok. We probably would. <laughs> Chicks in an office in LA. Oh, God. Love it. Yeah. What about Pinterest? I think Pinterest is incredible. I love Pinterest. Um, sometimes I don't love it for myself because it gives me the wants. It does exactly what that platform is supposed to do. Like, I look at my house and I want to burn it to the ground. <laughs> I want a new one. I want a whole new wardrobe. Like, oh, I want it all. I don't know why. I'm not even that kind of person that has the wants. But when I go on Pinterest, they've done a really great job of it. Um, the interesting thing is 80% of the content on Pinterest are repins. So for stylists who are creating new content, it creates incredible opportunity because not a lot of people have the ability to create new content and share it on that platform it's why we scroll and see a lot of the same photos so i think pinterest is a great a great tool um, for brands and stylists alike again i know i'm repeating myself but i always say go fishing because if you're going to set up a pinterest page let's say a salon owner i think it's great for them don't just create boards and put up pins that you love who are you trying to attract what clients are looking for that that sort of content in that area, maybe regional or events or tips or whatever else, if you're passionate about something. I mean, I said it before, I'm vegan. If you're passionate about veganism, then then have a vegan board because that's who you're trying to attract or maybe you're a bulldog lover, whatever it is. I think have some boards that show a bit about who you are in addition to your hair um, and make sure that you're tapping into that audience that you want to attract. But I think Pinterest is a, a a great place to uh, to play. I believe that you can now share across the platforms, Pinterest and Instagram content. I think you can share from Instagram to Pinterest, but I'm not sure the API exists to share from Pinterest into Instagram. There you go. Point. There you go. And and so we've been seeing huge engagement from doing this. Yeah. By the way, us too. And the top driver of traffic to Bang Style is from Pinterest. We pin a lot of the photos to our boards. We've had, um, we love working with artists for how to's and tutorials. And if any of the Salon Republic artists want to do that, by all means, we'd really love to feature them and their work and the step-by-steps. We had a half up, half down style, right? Pretty mm-hmm. easy, half up, half down, nothing too sophisticated. But remember, it's a lot of consumers who are looking for ideas and for help and solutions on that platform. Within the first month, that had a half a million repins. 
Yeah. We were yeah. like, holy cow. And it's been up there for years now. I mean, it is just incredible the amount of that article, that how-to that we pinned years ago, not thinking anything of it, has just given us incredible traffic. Um, so I think going back to what you were asking before, should a stylist create a website, pin from your website, pin some of those photos directly to Pinterest, or put a, a link. If you don't have the capability to do that, upload your photo. Remember Pinterest, not to get too nerdy, I'm a total tech geek. I mean, obviously, I live with a tech geek. Um, Pinterest is now a searchable platform. So there's two types of platforms, like a platform like Google, right? You can search all the words or the other type. So I'm gonna I'm making it as layman's as I can here. Um, search engine would be the proper tool or the proper word. So Pinterest is now a search engine. It wasn't originally. It's now why you see all those bubbles with all the different words at the top when before you just saw what you wanted to see. So the description you're putting in with your pin matters more now than ever. The more words you use, that's more opportunity to be found. And it's a great opportunity there to link to maybe your YouTube or put the link into your Instagram or your website. So I say, Hit away, mama. I'm all about it. Love it. I love it. What about LinkedIn? Any value in being on LinkedIn uh, for a hairdresser? Yeah, there's some big communities there. I know there was a community that started by a couple friends of mine who have a distributorship in the UK and they had 9,000 members in their first week. I think it's different, obviously, from the other sites and the content that maybe you would push out yourself. It needs to stay really professional. They're not looking for a lot of candor, not a lot of opinions, but I've connected with thousands of hairstylists on my personal LinkedIn and Bing Style as well. I think it's a great place if you want to be that kind of stylist who's engaged in the industry, who knows what's going on, making connections, driving your career. Maybe you want to work for a brand as your end game. I think it's a great tool for you. Okay, so as we approach the end of the episode, we come to the hair horror story part. Now, you now just for the listening audience and all candor, I did give Ashley a heads up. Yes, you did. Because I wanted you to to have time, given that it was a little um, a little strange. Because you you don't you're not working on clients necessarily, but you do have clients, and you have lots of other opportunities to screw things up. Oh my gosh, so many. Um, you know what's funny is actually what came to mind isn't it's not exactly a horror story. It's just maybe a horrific start. Okay. So my dad has had. I'm gonna say had really curly hair. And like you said in the beginning, I have really curly hair. My dad now doesn't really have a lot of hair, <laughs> but he had a lot of curly hair as a kid. And I think he got made fun of a lot um, because not all little boys have a head full of ringlets. So <clears throat> when my mom was pregnant, everyone asked my father, do you want a girl or a boy? His answer was, I want straight hair. <laughs> Me too. Everyone. Yep. So when they, my, I'm, I'm 42 and my mom had a C-section and in the seventies they wouldn't allow men to go in the room. So Dr. Tutera, who was my mom's, you know, OBGYN was an old family friend of my dad's parents. And apparently he came out of the delivery room, not walking, but crawling because he was laughing so hard he was crying. And my dad kept saying, what is it? What is it? What happened? What happened? 
and they brought me this little smiling bundle of joy with a massive head of curly hair. And my dad didn't laugh. He said, take it back. It's not mine. (laughs) That was the beginning of my beautiful hair journey. Oh, that's so cute. I have, I, my hair is just about as curly as yours and I just blow dry it. Yeah. Well, you know, my dad actually did try to blow dry my hair when I was a kid. Repeatedly. My dad's not a blow dryer or a a hair professional or a stylist or any of it. And he didn't ever blow past the frizz. So my hair was like, you know, down the middle of my back and big and frizzy. And my nickname in school was Diana Ross. (laughs) I (laughs) I love it. That's so awesome. I'm sure he loved, he learned to love the curls. Are you kidding? He loves them so much. Anytime I say I went to an event, like a beauty industry re- event, he literally asks, did you wear your hair down? It's crazy. <laughs> he loves them now. That's awesome. All right. Any last words for the community? No, just I love them. I love what they do. I think they're amazing. And thank you for letting us be a part of it. I think Bing Style is doing some really cool stuff. And I hope that people kind of reach out or, first of all, find you uh, first on online on the worldwide internet and then <laughs> and then find you on the other platforms if people want to reach out to you how do they find you they can always email me ashley a-s-h-l-e-e because my parents had to be difficult i have curly hair and two e's at bangstyle.com they can they can dm me um i run the instagram for bangstyle they can message me on facebook i mean i'm just like you and everybody else i've got two phones they're always in my hand they can <laughs> find me and by all means please reach out we want to hear your stories we want to promote your work we love what you're all doing and and we definitely have a soft spot for that independent stylist we're here to help awesome thanks so much Thank you for having me. And we're back. Donovan is still here. Guys, we would be super appreciative if you would screenshot this episode and share it on your stories because is word of mouth important for us? Word of mouth is everything for podcasts. And we do want to thank you because we did see a lot of people doing that for us and screenshotting and mentioning. So it really helps us out. Thanks again for everyone who does it. And uh, if you can do it, Thanks in advance. Donovan lives or dies on word of mouth. That's right. And that's one reason why you're just Donovan. You're not actually, you don't have a last name anymore. You've branded. Branded. You need word of mouth. Exactly. Next week's pod loot will be an iWatch. I think it's the series four. I have it right here. Hold on. Oh my goodness. It's time for the iWatch giveaway. Oh shit, it was stolen. (laughs) Somebody in the office stole it. I'm kidding. It's right here. It's um, Series 4, Space Gray, Aluminum Case, Black Sports Grant, Black Sports Band, 40 millimeters. Is that good? 40 millimeters? That's the perfect amount of millimeters that you need (laughs) for your watch. The exact number of millimeters. It's like they just knew. (laughs) All right. For a chance to win the iWatch, write a review on the Apple Podcast app or Stitcher.com for the Droid users. You and I check Stitcher.com mm-hmm. and Apple uh-huh. every week. We do. Right? So make sure to get your review in there because this one's coming up, folks. You have to leave your Instagram handle so we know who you are. Make sure you're following the Hair Game Podcast and Love Eric Terry. Love Eric. Make sure you're following on Instagram. And then I put your name in my bag. Each week, 
I pull a name, or Donovan pulls a name, and I announce the winner, or Donovan announces the winner at the beginning of every episode. You have to be listening to win so you can DM me your mailing address. If you don't win, keep listening because your name stays in my bag in my office. You can win any week on any episode. For complete details, go to salonrepublic.com. Pretty good. Pretty good. Was that good enough? Yeah, I think they got the gist of it. Okay. Next week's episode will be the second episode of Is Your Salon Legal? If you guys remember, in January of 2019, we did the first Is Your Salon Legal with Jason Ross, attorney who specializes in all this. We did an update to the episode because, guess what? Another law passed. Mm -hmm. Which is going into effect January 1st, 2020. So... This will be important to listen to, see if there's any changes, updates to the original law. And uh, the first one was our is our most popular episode. It is. It is our most highly downloaded episode, which is, I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, I mean. legal episode is the most popular. I think it's good that our hairstylists are actually worried about being legal and, and following the rules. True. Okay, so next week we'll drop this update episode to it, and then people will have like 11 days to comply to with the law. get into compliance. <laughs> no, no rush. No, no pressure. Yeah. Because uh, January 1st, your salon may be totally illegal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and, and by the way, we're kidding on that. Um, your salon is probably totally legal. Yeah. And you'll feel very good about its legality after listening to the episode. Uh, But it's a lot of great information, and I hope you like it. Until then, have a great week.